Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with coach, catalyst, speaker, award-winning author, and performer, Callan Fluckiger. Born and raised in San Francisco, Kellen now lives with his wife, pets, and extended family in Alberta, Canada. He has had a 30-year career in the energy industry and C-suite positions in both the United States and Canada. Behind the scenes, he dealt with depression, addiction, a near-death experience, and lived to become a beacon of life. For the last 15 years, he has built a worldwide coaching practice seeking those who are committed to becoming the best version of themselves. He's written 18 books, many number one Amazon bestsellers, recorded 82 songs, performed with a three-time number one billboard charting choir in Phoenix, Arizona, performing to sold-out audiences in top music halls in America. He has a goal to reach 50 million people in 2023. We get into his fascinating tale. Enjoy this interview. Hello, Neon Jazz. Hey, Kellen, what's up, man? <laughs> How nice are you today? Oh, I'm good. Nice to meet you. It's Neon Jazz and Joe Domino. We go together. We're like an Oreo cookie. All right, Oreo cookie. Are you the are you the white cream in the middle or the uh, chocolate sandwich? I think I'm everything just blended up. I'm like a blizzard. I love blizzards. So <laughs> yes. let's uh, let's do this. Yeah, we'll turn it upside down. Nice to meet you. Thank you for taking a minute out today. I appreciate it. Happy to do it. Happy to do it. So before we get into your interesting walk and run and ride in life, let's start with the obvious thing, COVID. How did you survive this last three years? And how has it changed the way that you live your life and do things now? So when COVID started, I've I've had been online running a online coaching business for many years. So I was already working from home <clears throat> and I have clients all over the world. Uh, the way it changed is I stopped doing speaking events as much. I traveled and did those. Those have restarted just sort of gradually. So that changed a lot. My podcast started right at the beginning of COVID in March of 2020. Somebody called my wife, who we'd been in a mastermind with a few years ago, and the word lockdown was first uttered out of somebody's mouth, right? And he said uh, to Joy, my wife's, does Kellen have a podcast? Because he was looking for some motivational stuff. And we didn't. And she said, yes. And so Your Ultimate Life was born in March, April of 2020. And now I just recorded episode 770-something the other day while I was in Phoenix. So uh, that's been a change, a grateful thing, because my goal this year is to help 50 million people to discover and serve with their divine gifts. And the podcast is one of four platforms that I have to reach out to people and uh, help help with that effort to help people choose to find their gifts and serve with them. And that includes creating businesses and all the rest that they might do. So that's kind of what COVID's done. It has um, <clears throat> made also platforms like Lunch Club, which are it's an AI networking platform, really popular. A uh, client of mine suggested that I join that. And uh, just for fun, and I wasn't going to, but then I did, and it's turned out to be a really fun thing. I've had 270-something meetings with people all over the world in the last two-plus years, so that's been a lot of fun. Those are the main changes yeah. that uh, have happened to me because of COVID. <clears throat> well, and you're, you know, you're a coach, you're a catalyst, speaker, award-winning author, performer. There's a lot that goes into you, but let's get to the essence and kind of boil it down a bit. I'm going to hypothetically put you in front of a bunch of grade school kids, 
career day, third graders, one of the kids looks up and asks you, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that child? I look at him and I would say I would kneel down or I would squat down, but probably get down on one knee and I would ask him and I would be focused on him specifically and only directly. And I would say, what do you love to do? And I would go with that question until we got something that they really love to do. And I'd then I would ask, wouldn't it be fun if you could take that thing and do it, develop it, do it well, and turn it into a business where people paid you to do it? And after they got all done being excited, I would say, that's what I do with grown-ups. And I help people find the thing they love the most and are the very best at and help them figure out a way to serve people, to turn it into a business so they can live a life that they love every single day. That's excellent. So let's get to how this this all started for you, the beginning of the journey. Where were you born and raised, and what were these seeds that were planted into you to be somebody that feels the need to help people and to also have that artistic, the right left brain mingling? So I was born in San Francisco. I was raised in a two-parent home. Uh, I was raised also in a fanatic sort of environment where the discipline today would be felony child abuse. Uh, the seeds that were planted were self-loathing, depression, and negativity. So I left home at 17, and for the next 35 years, until I was 52, I lived on a roller coaster of creating huge career success in the corporate environment, following by sabotaging that. So I had a huge rides, and each one got bigger and bigger, and we're talking newsworthy rides. Like I was on the staff of the governor of California at one time, and chief of staff yanked me in the room and was worried that my scandals were going to bring down his administration, that kind of size. Yeah. Uh, I was married and divorced three times. I was in and out of rehab, uh, struggled with addictions and all the other things. And finally, in 2007, when I was 52 years old, after 35 years from 17, when I left home till then of that mess, I had a, a, a I call it a divine intervention. Some extraordinary things happened that called my attention to the opportunity to change. I walked away from a 30 year career. I started life all over again and began on the journey of self-improvement, self-exploration, discovery that I have been on now. And it has led me to a determination, a single-minded determination, to be in the people encouragement business, which is how I think of coaching. So let me ask you this. When you were in the third grade, when you were younger, what was your dream growing up? What did you hope would happen that you would become? I don't remember. Uh, and what I mean by that is I didn't have one. I didn't draw pictures of an astronaut and be one of those or want to be a policeman or a fireman or uh, anything. Uh, I used to love Star Trek when it was originally on TV in the 1960s because I was born in 55, so I was about 11 or 12 then. Um, <clears throat> and so outer space, science fiction sort of things really appealed to me. Uh, when I first went to college, I had a scholarship in mathematics. Uh, I couldn't figure out what to do with that. I didn't really want to be an actuary. And so uh, my my gifts were in music. started playing piano when I was young, and it, it was good to have music, but only as long as you were doing community or church service. The idea of being a musician or having a musical career was frowned on because those are all wicked people and they do bad stuff. 
So the one thing I wanted to do was not okay. So I got good grades because I was blessed with brains, but I really didn't have any idea what I needed, wanted to do. And so then I thought the only thing I was supposed to do is pursue the kind of standard, go get a job, get up in the company, corporate kind of stuff. And so I did it and did it really well, but I hated it. So I kept trashing it and then doing it over again and then trash and doing it over again. And like I said, ended up married and divorced three times and up and down that roller coaster like crazy. So is there, have you had a hero in your life consistently? Has there been anyone you've admired and looked up to? I didn't have friends growing up. I wasn't, didn't learn that skill until after this stuff in 2007. Uh, I loved mostly fictional characters, Mr. Spock in Star Trek, uh, probably because of the lack of emotion and the logic uh, I learned to not feel because of the situation that I grew up in. But I liked uh, the idea of Abraham Lincoln. I liked the idea of Mr. Spock and, you know, the warrior idea of people that prevailed against enormous odds. Those were probably the archetypes of things that I looked up to. So when you talk about having this flashpoint in your life, what's been the anchor for you since you were 52? What's held your compass where well, it needs to be? What helps, what's held my compass is I. <clears throat> it would take some minutes to describe what actually happened, but the what happened, the invitation was so dramatic and so powerful that it made me realize that even at 52, it's never too late. There's still stuff to do and plenty of time to do it. You get to have control of your life. You're not at the mercy of externalities. I don't care who did what to you. You can stop at any time giving power from the past to the present. Now, you may need to talk to shrinks. You may need to go to counselors. You may need to do whatever. But ending the idea that that is in control and taking it back. I have control of the levers of my life. And I get to make the choices to shape it like I want. That was the great revelation. And so that has led me to create something I call a PTAC, which is an acronym. It stands for a personal truth and commitment document. Uh, I share it rarely, sometimes a little with clients because I help them do the same thing. But it's a document that declares who I am. It's a contract between me and the universe. And the only answer is, how do you know that? Or why would you say that? The answer is really simple because I said so. And that's all. Yeah. And you need no one's permission and no one's agreement because you said so. That's the most powerful phrase in the language. So what is it every day that makes you who you are and makes you <laughs> do what you want to do? What's the ultimate motivator for you? Uh, I created that document. It's a living, breathing document. I haven't memorized. And the second most powerful thing, or the two things that have changed my life continually since that time in 2007. One is the creation and use of that document. And the second is a morning ritual, which is grown from short to long, two and a half or so hours. And it creates all kinds of time for me. It completely grounds me and allows me to be fully 100% present in every single interaction that I do, I live my life with no obligations. I have lots of commitments, but the idea of an obligation 
carries with it the seeds of resentment. I'd rather be doing something else, but I have to do this. So I've eliminated all those and treat everything as a joyful commitment because I said so. And that daily intentional preparation, consistent with the things that I describe in my own personal document, keeps me joyful, anchored, grounded, focused, and in love with every day. So of all of the things that you've done up to this point in your life, what are you the proudest of? That when I was 52 and had the opportunity, the invitation to change that I did, I completely walked away from the career in the industry. I've written 18 books. I have 85 songs on Spotify. I, I've been in a group that charted number one on Billboard three times. You know, I, I've now taken control and lived the life that I have determined. So that change, that pivot, and the consistent application and joyful fulfillment of that pivot is the thing I'm happiest about. So as somebody that's a creator, you know, we all are swayed by art. What was the book or the album or the art for you at pivotal points in your life that really either pulled you through or that inspired you and made you want to do it? So uh, when I was in the 80s, before when I was still roller coaster stuff, I saw an old B movie called Thief which had James Caan in it, and it was a B-movie about some mafia thief or something. But the soundtrack was done by Tangerine Dream. And it was at the beginning of synthesizers and electronic music. And I heard that soundtrack, and I said, I'm going to do that. So I opened a recording studio, and I the specialty I had was bringing in singer-songwriters because I could play keys and program drums and synths, and I had a huge collection of them and did all kinds of albums people that just came in as themselves so that was a huge pivot point uh that led me to move into the musical world that i wanted in 2009 there was an opportunity to join this choir that was the brainchild of two very talented brothers one's a piano performance graduate of juilliard and one is a choral composition and conducting phd from university of cincinnati and they started a group that was volunteer, but the standards were rigorous. Uh, a choir, youth choir, orchestra, whose members consisted of first chair soloists in the community and inspired everybody with their vision. And it is that group that went on to perform and has performed in Carnegie Hall and places all over the country. And three of their releases, of which I was a part, were the ones that charted number one on Billboard in the classical genre. So that inspiration, their dedication... And participating in that group and the demand for excellence, uh, I was in that group from 2009 to 16. And the only reason I left is because we moved from Phoenix up to Edmonton, where we are now. And we moved up here for a purpose of service. We're up here to take care of my wife's mother, who's 91 and can't take care of herself. So, unfortunately, I had to leave the group. Uh, but if I ever moved back, and they've now expanded to five locations. There's one in Orange County. There's one in Phoenix. There's one in the Utah Valley there's one in Boise, there's one in Dallas, and I just now heard they're opening another location in Kansas City, all on the same principles, all first-rate performances. The, bit, the grand choir is every bit as good as the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, for example. And we have performed in the Tabernacle in Salt Lake City, uh, you know, and recorded an album across the street in the Bravanel Hall, which is the big concert hall in Utah. So when I say they're that good, like, they're that good. Wow. Yeah. 
I'm in Kansas City, so I'll have to keep my eye open. It's called Millennial Choirs and Orchestras, MCO. Okay. Millennial Choirs and Orchestras. And I believe that can't, I just got an email. I obviously still on their list, even though I've been out of there for seven years. That that's where they said their new chapter was uh, opening. Wonderful. Where is now that, you know, life has changed for you at 52. It's never too late. You're, you know, you're going full steam ahead. What are you looking forward to? What are, if we talk in five years, what do you want to do? What, what is on your radar? So I have uh, my commitment this year and my year runs October 14th, October 14th. And that date is part of the divine intervention that happened in 2007, started in August and whatever. Uh, my commitment this year is to help 50 million people to discover and serve with their gifts. That year ends October 14th. We've actually, at halftime, which was April 14th, added up all the audiences that we've reached. And we're already at 65 million. So we've decided to double down for this year. Next year, there's going to be more numbers. My, my commitment is to help every person that I can realize who they really are and what they're really capable of so they can use that knowledge and skill to add good to the world we have divisiveness we have struggle we have enough of that so the more encouragement love kindness sharing lifting that we can create you know the the more we need so that is one thing i have two books that are underway this year i have a another album that i'm working on right now i just released the first three songs on an ep called oasis if you look me up on spotify i've got 85 songs up on there of all kinds. Um, so in five years, uh, we probably won't be in Edmonton. I don't think my wife's mom's going to last that long and we're going to get out of the snow as soon as we can. Uh, so we might move over to Vancouver Island. We might be back in Arizona, but I'll be doing the same thing. Like yeah. this isn't work. I do this because I said so, and I'm going to do it till my last breath. You know, it's interesting. October 14th, I was actually born on October 13th. But I remember mm. October 14th because there was a book about the rapture and they made a show on HBO with Justin Theroux. And it was about the rapture happening. And the day that the rapture happened was October 14th. Well, the reason that's my beginning of year is part of the divine intervention. I was single again for the third time. Do you have a minute for me to tell this story? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So on Octo um, in August of 2007, I was a. $3,000 a week cocaine addict. And I was making so much money that that didn't matter. I was single again for the third time. I had four of my 10 children living with me. Uh, three were grown up and married, four were teenagers with me, and three were with one of the exes. That's embarrassing, but it's true. I came home on a Friday night, was going to go out and party for the weekend, and I felt this compulsion to turn on the TV. That doesn't sound like anything, except I had the coolest stuff installed, because that's what you buy when you make all the money. But I picked up the remote, and I'm like, I didn't know how to turn it on because I wasn't a TV watcher. I got it for the kids and stuff. So I asked my daughter and my 16-year-old daughter punched some buttons and threw the remote at me. It landed on a program which probably isn't on television anymore, but it's a reality TV show called Intervention. And that's uh, a program about families that stage interventions for yeah. busted loved ones. The protagonist was a high-ranking executive with a cocaine problem. So I watched myself on TV for about 10 minutes and I said, this is crap. And I turned it off 
I went around, did something else, and got ready to go out. And I was compelled, literally, to turn it on again. This time I knew how. And that show started over. No, I don't have a DVR. No, it wasn't on the schedule. No, it can't do that. I understand. But it did. So it freaked me out. I'm like, holy crap. So I watched it, and it went badly. The guy yelled at his family, swore he didn't have a problem, stomped out of the intervention. So I, But it freaked me out. And it freaked me out enough that I went to bed instead of going out to party. When I went to bed, I went to hell. What I mean by that is I went somewhere, it felt out of body, and I would, but it was like a theater, dark, and I could see and hear things. And the scenes on the stage were from my life, and they were all focused on suffering, the suffering that had been inflicted on me as a kid, all up through the suffering I had inflicted on everybody else as an addict and a you know, crappy marriage partner and all the rest. After an interminable period, a voice said, it is enough. I woke up and I was disoriented because the sun was shining in the window and the windows faced west. So I got out of bed and realized it was five o'clock Saturday afternoon. So I'd been somewhere nearly 18 hours. I realized, okay, I've been invited to change. I'd never sought help. Everything was this whole isolation, can't talk about your feelings for all these years. Uh, but and I said, so I have no idea what to do, but I know I'm done with I'm done. So I threw away a thousand dollars worth of stuff I had and I quit. Cold turkey that day, Saturday in August. I also knew I had to get and so that got me sober, but I didn't do anything to do with how I got there in the first place, which is the depression, the isolation, self-sabotage and everything. The drugs were, you know, reaction to that. So part two of the divine intervention happened a little bit later. <clears throat> Monday, I went back to work. And uh, because of the position I had, I used to get free stuff as a decision maker, free tickets to this, free expensive bottles of booze, like I needed that, but that kind of stuff, not bribes, but, you know, so one of the things I got was a free pair of tickets to see a Yo-Yo Ma concert. Now, if you know classical music, you know who that is. And if you don't, you don't. But in the classical world, that's, oh, yeah. and they were $1,000 tickets, right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I don't want to waste this other ticket. I don't have anybody to take. So I asked in the groups that I managed, who likes classical music? And some lady in one of the groups said, well, I do. And I asked her, looked at her and said, have I ever given you anything before? Because I gave away stuff all the time. She said, no. I said, okay, fine. We'll see you there. So I gave her the ticket. We met at the venue. Concert was fabulous. Halfway through the concert, and you got to know now, the date of the concert, I'm like two weeks, stone cold sober. Okay? And halfway through the concert, this, I recognized this feeling that came over me from two weeks before. And this voice said to me, you need to marry this woman. And I said, you're insane. Uh, I've screwed that up three times officially with some other disasters in between. I don't know how to do that. This is not happening. Later that night, we were backstage because um, there were backstage passes and tickets to the reception and the whole thing, which is why they were $1,000 tickets. And the voice came back and said, <clears throat> comma, and you need to tell her tonight. So I flipped out because I said, you know, I don't really know her. Like she works in one of my groups, but I don't know if she has a relationship. She could call the cops for harassment or HR or something. I said, you know, no, this is not happening. But you don't win those arguments. So I did. And it went about like you would have expected. Are you insane? What are you talking about? 
But she didn't uh, call the cops or anybody, and she wasn't in a relationship, which I didn't know. Over the next two weeks, she had her own set of experiences. And a couple of weeks after that, she quit her job. I walked away from millions of dollars of contracts, and we walked off into the sunset together. And we last December, we celebrated our 15th wedding anniversary. Wow. Now, the reason that's interesting is the story by itself is incredible. Yes. But she was literally the angel that was sent to help me learn how to be a person, to learn how to tell the truth, which I'd never done before, to learn how to have a friend, which I'd never done before, learn how to be a friend and do all those things. And her name is Joy. And her birthday is October 14th. Wow. That's wonderful. Does that Libra vibe in her work for you? I have no idea what a Libra vibe is. It's a balance, just a balance of everything. She's 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 magic. You know, she runs the other half of our business. She's a degree designer. She runs the back end stuff. She does all of our email marketing. She does the website stuff. She did computer stuff in college plus design. It's that all was an accident. It all, I mean, there are no accidents, but she, you know, just. Uh, it was, you know, she I've asked her a thousand times, what on earth? prompted you to walk away from your career and off into the sunset with a drug addict because everybody knew. I mean, they didn't know, but yeah. they knew, right? Yeah. And she said, I just knew to the core of my soul it was the right thing to do. Wow. That's amazing. That is amazing. You, you answered and tied up so many questions that I had with that story. Where can people pick up your books? Where can people pick up your music? Anything pertaining to you and your world, where do they go? Podcast, anything. All right. So Kellen Flukiger is a peculiar name. Uh, so KellenFlukiger.com is my website. Uh, if you put my name in on Google, there's thousands and thousands of hits because of my old executive career plus my coaching. All my books are on Amazon. So you can Amazon me. Uh, you can YouTube me. You can... Uh, Spotify, all my stuff's up on Spotify, uh, and in I, Apple Music and in Amazon Music. I have a distributor in Austria that puts it on all the digital distribution platforms in the world. So if you spell my name right, I can't hide. <laughs> I love it. You know, I have a free thing. I have a free thing. Yeah. People struggle with what I call monsters. Like when we were kids, we were afraid that monsters would come get us, right? Under the bed or in the closet. As adults, we still have monsters in the closet. I have no time monster. I'm not good enough monster. The procrastination monster. The it's not my fault monster. So I have a free course called Master Your Monsters. And it's at that website, masteryourmonsters.com. If you want something there, it's an audio course with a dozen parts or so about the different monsters that tend to eat our lunch from time to time. Yeah, this has been transformative. It sounds like you found the piece or the piece found you that you've been looking for for a long time. That's wonderful. Well, what I know, and this is the basis of my 50 million, is that I'm no there's nothing interesting or special about me. I said yes to maybe the millionth invitation. Like we all have those nudges and feelings and intuitions. And the one that I got in August of 2007, admittedly, was a two by four, but I was pretty tone deaf up to that point. 
Yeah. And even with the volume of the invitation, you still have to say yes, and you still have to do the work. Like nobody fixed everything. Yeah. In a fell swoop. Yeah. It still took the effort. Absolutely. Yep. Well said, Kellen. This has been wonderful, man. Thank you for opening up your story. It's it's a triumphant one. I appreciate it. Thank you. I want to honor you for the work that you're doing. Doing a podcast is a labor of love, and yep. I want to thank you and honor you for choosing to add good to the world with your gifts. Thank you, man. Yeah, this has been wonderful. You're a you're a stellar cat, man. Thank you very much, and I look forward to getting it out there. Thank you. We'll see you later. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Mm-hmm.